0: So I don't know if any of you are, is hoping that I'm going to talk about re- reality. <laughs> Maybe you can talk to me about reality. I will like it. <laughs> and then I'm sure that uh, every one of us will have a different interpretation. So what we are experiencing here is reality, isn't it? So it's reality It's not, I mean, many aspects of reality that are there. And uh, and then we have to adjust. We have to adapt to this, the the circumstances in which we find a, a level of reality. So um, I would like also to to bring you know like so many, so a lot of so much of material we, we, we can elaborate in this topic that uh, that it's difficult to select. So uh, what I will try to do is uh, uh, try to make the difference between content meditation and process meditation. This is uh, an issue that uh, I would like to clarify a little bit, also related to uh, conventional reality and then ultimate reality. So we'll try to today just to clarify uh, these two aspects of uh, of the, Of the definition that uh, we try to, to come across. I will see also some of the points that some of you have been uh, inquiring about, so we'll try to, uh, to explain that as much, uh, as much as I can. Uh, last week, it, it, I find it interesting, last week there was a monk who came to visit, and I happened to know him in Sri Lanka many years ago, right? And then he told me that uh, when the said Sado came to America, this was maybe 30 years or I forgot, but uh, when the famous uh, meditation teacher of Burma, uh, Tangpolu Sadhu came to America, he gave a conference in in California. and. Uh, that person, who was a layman at that time, asked him a question, and then the question was, what is the fastest way to enlightenment? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are laughing. And then then when he asked the question, everybody laughed. (laughs) But he was very serious. But we can see also, that uh, the, 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 the terms can convey a very different meaning from the point of view of uh, those who perceive it. So the teacher, the sadhu, was very serious about that. He didn't laugh at all, whereas in some cases, he will laugh to something that was very serious. Uh, 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 you know. Anyway, in this case, he didn't laugh, and then he thought a little bit, and then he said, simply, by paying closer and closer attention to subtler and subtler objects. So it's a question of giving a very close attention, a very close observation to what we are experiencing. What we are experiencing is actually the feel, the objective the objective feel. Huh? So this objective objective feels come to, uh, uh, to proceed from the grass to the subtler, uh, from the grass to the subtler. But one distinction that we should not forget is that uh, it's not because we are able to pay closer and closer attention to a specific object that means uh, we are neglecting the faraway observation of the same object. We, we need to keep uh, the, the, the capacity to focus in relation of what we want to see. So this is very important because otherwise, we are just uh, trying to force the attention and okay, now you have to be concentrated uh, and you have to, to, to focus and I uh, have to come to very subtle perception of uh, uh, these realities and then we just strain ourselves from an ideal that we have come to make about what we should uh, perceive. So if we know that the observation is just something very natural, it is something very natural, so we just have to relax and then open our eyes. We can do that from outside, just observing. So when that quality of observation is established within ourselves, with very normal things, then we can bring that quality of observation to the inner process of the meditation. So with the careful observations of phenomena, we start also to be aware, to be knowing about the subject, about the observer. We know the quality of our mind more and more. The more we pay attention, the more we know about how we are paying attention. So that's why we should not force the process. We should not force also the approach. So the approach is going to be very determinant in in relation to to the, to the success that we will have. Hmm? So it is a refinement of the meditation, and uh, and then it, it just goes like a funnel, right? So when we sit, for example, then we just we just can start with bare phenomena, and then, and then like for the bread. No, if you like to start with the bread, then you start with the bread. But you you are just aware of the breathing process naturally, and then the mind settles. And then when the mind is more concentrated, you get you come to, to perceive more, more aspect, more subtler aspect of uh, of the of the bread. There was a question since we are we have been introduced like uh, the last few days we are we are being, uh, we have been introduced to the four element meditation and then the four element re- meditation as it was explained relates to the characteristics of uh, of what we are experiencing with these uh, physical sensations and then also uh, these uh, sensations is uh, the way we are experiencing these elements these elements. I mean the so-called elements, huh, the term element that we, now you understand what we refer to. Refer to what's happening inside, but also refer to what is happening outside. Mm. So if I am not clear, don't worry. You have to be clear. Hmm? <laughs> so, <laughs> The question is, uh, can you please clarify whether the four element practice is for samadhi or insight, or both? I was told it's for concentration practice. It certainly helps me to concentrate, but it also gives me uh, insight, especially when walking or eating. So, now we are talking about uh, samatha, we are talking about concentration, calming the mind, and then we are also talking about insight. So the the, the parallel that, 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 that we try to, to make with these uh, two types of meditation relates to content and process. So content content, content meditation refers more to a conceptual understanding of reality, whereas process refers more to, to uh, not uh, absence of concept, just a, a direct experience of reality itself. So with the meditation on the four elements, uh, it can be because it is because the object itself well, it is the experience of these four elements in our body, this is observing a process. But since the observation is not yet clear enough, it's not calm enough, then, it has the purpose just to calm the mind. For example, if you are start, if you are using the, the practice just to calm and then just to relax and then just to be aware of your body by some people like to scan the body, so you are just aware here and there and then. And then, and then, and then you, you get rid of your tensions in the shoulders and then you get more comfortable and then everything relaxes. Huh? And then also together with that observation, you identify, or, you know, you associate the experience with uh, with these four elements. Like, okay, now this is heaviness, this is the earth, right? And then the water is there, and then the, the heat is the is the temper- the heat is the, the fire element, and all these things. Huh? So the experience itself, the way you approach the, the, the practice is calming the mind. But because the object that you are observing is a, is a process, then if you continue with that, then you are just going to shift from a, a, a content aspect of, a, of the meditation to a process. So in this case the fundamental meditation is not going to to lead you to more concentration than the neighborhood concentration if you know uh, uh, these things in the, you know in the in the scheme of a, a traditional buddhist practice so the flame meditation is not a samadhi practice but it's a samatha that means it can calm yourself but since the object is a, is a process huh, then it is directly connected with uh, with insight uh, meditation so, for example, if you are eating, uh, then many things, many types of meditation we can do when we are eating, but uh, if you are just aware of the sensations that uh, the food is producing when it is in contact with your tongue, when it is in contact uh, with, your, with your hands, and then when it goes in your, in your body, then uh, that bare experience of sensation it's just the four elements. You are just experiencing the, some aspect of the, the elements. It's hot or it's cold or it's, it's hard or it's very watery and uh, uh, it is, um, well, you know, all these characteristics. You can see it in the food, but you, uh, we can try Like if you like to do the meditation on the food, then when you are eating, you can just be aware of course you can be aware of the of these the, these experiences inside your body but also you can be aware of the contact when the body when the sensitivity of the tongue starts to be or the hand starts to get in, in touch with the food you see it's just a characteristic it, They are just actually matter it is just matter so when you put that in your mouth then then you see that uh, the the what is happening in the digestive uh, process, it's like a laboratory. It's like a chemical, uh, chemistry uh, uh, laboratory. So it's all a question of chemistry. All the saliva gets into the food with the heat. It is uh, getting absorbed and then the, the, the heat of the stomach is making digestion. And uh, then like a factory Uh, there is a kind of uh, production of energy, right, with the oil, and then, uh, I mean, you can explain it the way you like it. But uh, the thing is that you come to experience the food, not by way of what is written on the menu, but by way of the experience that is creating, that it is being created in your body. And then you see that actually the food is just like oil, like like gasoline, or, or it's just energy, it is just calories. We can put any kinds, any kind of flavor, but actually our body is just food. We are just food. We don't, we don't eat for one day. Even there, uh, uh, we, we see that the, the body starts to, to get thin and then the and energy is very low. And then we are, when we are eating also, the, the, the energy starts to, to replenish, and, and we, we are more uh, we are affected by by what we are eating. So, in this case, we can associate the practice of the four element meditation with the input of the food. So, same thing when we are walking. If you are if you slow down, for example, the movement of your of your walking, then. Actually, you're also calming down the mind. You put the mind, instead of having the mind distracted about what it's going to do, and then what, the, what is going to happen, and then what, what you missed, and so you just come back to the present moment. You are aware, you are walking, and then you are lifting your foot, and then you're okay, right? And then you, you arrive at the end of the walking path, and then you have to turn. There is nowhere else to go. Oh, so you are just going up and down. So then it's very calming. You are you are getting uh, acquainted with the by through the physical process. You are getting also acquainted with the mind. Because, so you are using the fundamentals by way of the posture, just to settle the mind, just to anchor the mind in the experience, so that both becomes the object of your observation and then both also come to be known in a more subtle uh, way huh? so you start like if you continue with the walking meditation then the four elements in the body start to be more uh, obvious but also the the elements of the mind so the mind also uh, can be represented by way of uh, element so you, you start to to know a little bit more about the dynamic of uh, this uh, psychological process. So here someone is uh, pointing out that uh, in one of the talk, I mentioned that Metta can be developed both as a Vipassana object and as a Samatha object. So could I uh, develop a little bit uh, these aspects of uh, Metta as Samatha or Metta as a Vipassana. So I like very much the text. You see, like uh, uh, when I started to practice, most of you, we, most of us, we come to practice because we are looking for uh, something very practical. Huh? We are looking for uh, some meaning that is uh, uh, not theoretical, but that is concrete. So we come. Sometimes intellectually we come with an intellectual understanding, but uh, for me, I came with the interest of of the practice. But nevertheless, when uh, we uh, get closer and closer to the practice, we like to use the text as a reference, and then we like to compare the text uh, to see uh, to which extent they they can help us understand our experience to which extent also they can help us, guide us, our experience. So very often, for myself, I see that the more we practice, the more we are able to make a relationship with, uh, with, with, the, with the Pali text, the, the text of the, the, the Buddhist tradition. So here yeah, some a text that, that, that may be very, uh, very appropriate in relation to what we are doing now, is uh, from the Middle Length saying, and it, it is called the Simile of the Cloth. So we'll read it a little bit, not just to... So it goes like that. Because suppose a cloth were defiled and stained, and a dyer dipped it in some dye or other, whether blue or yellow or red or pink. It will look poorly dyed and impure in color. Why is that? Because of the impurity of the cloth. So too, when the mind is defiled, an unhappy destination may be expected. Because suppose a cloth were pure and bright and a dyer dipped it in some dye or other, whether blue or yellow or red or pink, it will look like well dyed and pure in color. Why is that? Because of the purity of the cloth. So too, when the mind is undefiled, a happy destination may be expected. What because are the imperfections that defile the mind? Covetousness and unrighteous greed is an imperfection that defiles the mind. Ill-will defiles the mind. Anger, revenge, content, a domineering attitude, envy, avarice, deceit, fraud, obstinacy, presumption, conceit, arrogance, vanity, negligence is an imperfection that defiles the mind. Knowing that covetousness and unrighteous greed is an imperfection that defiles the mind, a bhikkhu, this is you, right? It's someone who is practicing. A abandons it, abandons it. Hmm? <laughs> Yeah, you you need to understand, right? So uh, that's why I I tried to correct myself. Why, no, 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 this is not the correct pronunciation. (laughs) (laughs) So the bhikkhu abandoned it. So with all these definitions, we we, 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 we abandon these things. But what is that? Isn't it what we are doing? like we, we 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 meditate and then we see we, we start to be aware of what is happening in the mind, whatever whether it is uh, uh, connected with these uh, with these uh, things, you know arrogance or conceit, or we are just aware, you okay, know this the mind is is a bit greedy, or the mind is a bit agitated, and whatever the qualities of the mind that are there, we, 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 we st- the experience make us realize that uh, this is not very skillful, and then by just observing, now you see, I'm sure that you will say that your mind is much clearer, that your mind is not so much defiled as it used to be when you arrived here. I hope so. (laughs) So if it is the case, and I think it's the case, now you're not aware because you are still in in the laundry room, you know, so although you have clean a good part of your, of, your, of your dirty stock, you still have a, a, quite a, a big load waiting for you. <laughs> hmm? Anyway, just to that extent, it's fine. Huh? It is fine. So from time to time, no, like, you, like when you wake up in the morning, then you, you don't worry about the schedule, and then you hear the birds, and then you are so happy, okay? So then that happiness, is, a, is a just a, 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 an expression, it is just a manifestation of purity. So there is a, a lot of clarity and then you are happy. But also, when you reflect about what you have been understanding, huh? what you have been understanding by this practice, then you get very happy. And uh, uh, then the, the text uh, continues, you see? And then, uh, so when, the, when we abandon these defilements, then we acquire perfect confidence in the Buddha and uh, in, in the Dhamma, well, I mean, it's not a kind it's not necessarily a religious type of faith of, uh, you know, just a blind devotion. It's just a practical aspect of uh, of something that is uh, that, that 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 is uh, that 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 we can experience and and, and um, that we can experience and uh, and then realize, you no. Know? <laughs> so. Uh, So we reflect about the quality of the Buddha, and then also the Dhamma, and then we get a kind of faith, we get a kind of inspiration and a kind of trust. And then it comes to to bring us a a feeling of, oh, this is good stuff, it's good stuff. It seems to work, right? So then we get possessed of perfect confidence in the practice or in the teaching or in the Buddha or in the people who are practicing also. And then we gain inspiration in the meaning, we gain inspiration in the in the Dhamma, etc. And then we gain gladness connected with that. And then when we are glad, rapture is born in us. And when we are rapturous, the body becomes tranquil. When the body is tranquil, we feel pleasure. And then when we feel pleasure, the mind becomes concentrated. So it is just that gradual thing, you see, just the gradual thing from, from the grass to the sluttler, the grass to the subtler. So the process, that natural process that help us putting Everything together brings a kind of harmony, and then that harmony is bringing us understanding. And then the understanding gives us stress. Yes, it is good. And then that brings us also a type of happiness, and then the happiness brings us pleasure. And then, uh, you know, when we are happy, isn't it that when we are happy, then we get very concentrated concentrated by means of uh, by meaning, interest, and then the clarity of the mind. That's all. Here also the text that uh, that, that, that may be relevant to what we, we, we may be uh, uh, trying to do is that uh, it follows with, uh, so one whose body is tranquil feels pleasure. In one who feels pleasure, the mind becomes concentrated. He abides pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. Likewise the second, likewise the third, likewise the fourth. So above, below, around, and everywhere and to all as to himself, he abides pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving kindness, abundant, exalted." Is that only in the text or it's something we can feel, it's something we can experience? So sometimes when our meditation is just, we are not very clear about what is going on, and so we can tune ourselves in that direction, like to try to to see what makes us happy, and then to see, also to rejoice with what we are doing, and then that happiness, with that happiness, we are just more comfortable, and then with that comfort, then we can go, you know, with, uh, with developing the metta, developing also the compassion, towards ourselves and then towards everybody. The whole world with exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. And then the, the, the text goes to say that it is done with compassion and then with appreciative joy and also with equanimity and also the the provision is just all around and then uh, infinite. So here, I will say that uh, this is a kind of Samatha practice. So we, we, we are able to manage our mind in ways that uh, the imperfections or the things that are very disturbing don't disturb us anymore. And then with that clarity of mind, then we we, we use the practice of metta just to radiate uh, uh, these qualities. But still, on that level, we are dealing with an aspect of uh, content. That means a being, a person, an animal. All these things relate to a a conceptual uh, understanding of reality. So we are talking about persons, we are talking about uh, 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 also the directions. It, it, it's kind of a conceptual. Hmm? So from there, if we want to shift from a practice of samata that is done with the uh, with the uh, with the the the, the, uh, the huyara, then uh, there, there can be a shift in, in, in perception, and the text goes on to say that, uh, to say that uh, after that, no, after the, the mind has been exalted like that, then the person understands thus. There is this, there is the inferior, there is the superior, and beyond, there is an escape from this whole field of perception. So this, what it means is that uh, we are able to manipulate the perception in a way, like what we are perceiving in ways that will bring a lot of strength and clarity and concentration with the mind. So we are using objects just for that purpose. So when the mind is strong enough, then we look at the process that has happened, the process that, that is happening at that time And then we deconstruct the experience, especially in regard to the perception. So we see that actually all these things are just uh, the product of our uh, perception. Like yesterday, we spoke about the perception that insects uh, will have. You see, the dragonfly with, I mean, I don't know how many hundred types of eyes. And so uh, perception is relative, but also the perception that each, each of us is having are having is is also relative, so that's why um, uh, we we, uh, we like to say that this is the field of the content. No? But when it comes to the process, um, then then uh, you just see you just see that uh, these uh, um, uh, these perceptions are based on a subjective interpretation of reality. And then we come to to to, to see, uh, we come to see the process uh, as a process. That's very deep. <laughs> so uh, you may not. Uh, I'm not, I'm not very clear. So, but uh, but uh, eventually you will understand. I hope so. <laughs> So this is how, this is how, the, the, this is how the, the practice of metta can be used as a samatha and also it can be used as a vipassana. So when the vipassana is uh, going on, then the, the perception of being don't exist anymore. We just see a process of uh, mind and matter. So I could read a lot about uh, about it. I could explain it also a lot with words, but the words are missing. And uh, we can see, like in Buddhism, you have two aspects of reality. You have uh, the reality, conventional reality, and then what is called ultimate reality. So uh, everything that is conventional, like the social uh, convention, the words we are using the culture in which we are growing uh, what else uh, like a being, like, like a no, this is your name, uh, and this is your address, and this is your job, right? And then uh, you are a lady, or you are a man, and then uh, things like this, these are concepts. So we are creating concepts, and then concepts are very important for a proper social interaction. If we don't have that conventional reality, then we cannot function in the world. So those who are afraid of getting into that weird dimension of process, you don't. You should not. You should not be afraid of that. No? It's just a question of balance. So we have to use conventional reality. We have to see also how conventional reality is helping us to 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 get the mind clear, to get the mind um, uh, to get the mind happy, and then to get the mind peaceful. So you see, uh, I also looked at uh, I look in the Wikipedia uh, encyclopedia. I mean, the Wikipedia stuff you know that you find on internet, and then I I look for the word process philosophy, because uh, although it's not directly related to Buddhism, it is very close to uh, what uh, it means and. If you are interested in that academic or, or intellectual explanation, you can just read it and then the details are very uh, clearly uh, explained. So instead now, instead of, uh, uh, of using the Buddhist text, I would just, and don't worry, I'm not going to, uh, to give a lecture because uh, I'm sure that uh, you will fall asleep very soon. So uh, just read just uh, one phrase here and there, right? and uh, they speak about the process philosophy. So the philosophy of process is a venture in metaphysics, the general theory of reality. Its concern is with what exists in the world and with the terms of reference in which this reality is to be understood and explained. Right, right, right. And modes of change rather than fixed stabilities for processist change of every sort physical, organic, psychological is the pervasive and predominant feature of the real. And then also the historical aspect of that, this is not new, it has nothing to do, not necessarily to do with Buddhism, but you have that with the ancient Greeks. Then he gives the Heraclitus, for example, Heraclitus, Ancient philosopher, he was also one of the, the founders of this type of, uh, of uh, approach, explanation. So, for example, he says that the process is fundamental. The river is not an object, but an ever changing flow. The sun is not a thing, but a flaming fire. Everything in nature is a matter of process, of activity, of change. Then it came. It comes to, 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 to details of uh, of things that uh, we will skip. But uh, that uh, the, the, there is a, it's, They say that there is a paradigm yeah. about substance philosophy, and then the, uh, anyway, it's just. <laughs> I think you have enough of uh, thing. Just 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 a few sentences. So process philosophy. For process philosophy, what a thing is consists in what it does. Also, they, they say that uh, you know this uh, this type of uh, philosophy. You have also many camps, so you have many opinions. that that that, 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 that many types of conclusion that came to be, uh, you know, brought about uh, with, with, with this seeing uh, uh, reality. So here something maybe interesting. After all, differentiation is sophistication. Detail is enrich enrichment, enrichment. No, so to 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 sophisticate, to get more sophisticated, to get more detail, we get more rich. The person who merely sees the bird does not see as much as the person who sees a finch, I don't even know what is a finch, (laughs) but you will know, no? And she, in turn, does not see as much as the person who sees a Darwin uh, finch. The realization and enhancement of detail bestows not just complexification as such, but also sophistication. So it's just from uh, grosser to subtler. So here also is good. Uh, on this basis, the human complain, one experiences feeling this and doing that, but one never experiences oneself. It's much like the complaint of the person who says, I see him picking up that brick, but in fixing that batch of mortar and throwing that brick into place, but I never see him building a wall. From the process point of view, one's self is just is just this complex process composed of those various physical and psychic experience as actions in their systematic interrelationship. So two more quotes, I think, uh, and then I will end up. Process metaphysics envisions a limit to determinism that makes room for creative spontaneity and novelty in the world. And also, you know, the, the, the term process also has been applied to science, it has been applied to philosophy, it has been applied to psychology, it has been applied to uh, business, and also it has been applied to theology. So you have also what is called uh, process theology. And then those who see uh, theology as a, uh, who see, you know, uh, who, who use a process a philosophy to understand religion, then they see God also as a process so it is very interesting that uh, uh, there are many types of interpretation, interpretation of, uh, of gods. So who is making God? <laughs> so some definition, if you use that approach, then it, it, God is just uh, the uh, forces, natural forces, actually. But also what, what is uh, uh, interesting is that even among the, the theolo- theologists, no? we have these uh, theories, uh, they still have different uh, opinions and then they they, they they still sometimes not agree with each other so that's why we have to see we have to we we have to rem- remember that uh, whatever interpretation we give to reality, it's our interpretation. Truth is beyond the interpretation that we give to it. Uh, so when we come to truth, this is what is most important. And then uh, words are, are, are just, uh, uh, it's a field of understanding if we, if, we, if, we, I mean, if we discuss properly, but also it can be a source of misunderstanding and a, a source of conflict. So we have to be very careful by, by what we mean with our own words. So I, th- I think I will just stop uh, here. I, I have I have still other quotes and other types of things, but uh, but I would rather have uh, you know some room for for your questions so that uh, I can be more precise uh, when I am uh, talking to you. Do you have any? Uh, Uh, things that you'd like to clarify, please.
1: Um, When you talk about object-based meditation versus process-based meditation, could you give an example of, like, in your head, like what's going on when you, I guess, when you're going through the different types of meditation, what you're paying attention to and even the stream of consciousness?
0: That happens. Yes. Yeah. So, what is the difference with the with the experience of uh, content meditation and then process meditation? Hmm? So, uh, the process meditation is more a direct experience of what is going on huh? by way of physical energy, physical. Like if, if it if it refers to the body, you are just experiencing. The, 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 the uh, what is there right by way of uh, characteristics of uh, of hardness and then pushing and then all, all these things no but also what you are experiencing inside without the concepts huh? the characteristics of elements then you can also experience that uh, from outside so uh, that. Uh, that intuitive and direct knowledge of what is there inside is also uh, reflected with what you see outside. But uh, this refer, uh, if we refer to, to the body, is it, uh, is it okay? Not very clear.
2: <laughs>
0: yes, no, no, uh, uh, that's okay. Mm. For example, if, you, if I tell you this is the table here, so you understand, okay, now this is the table. So so when you take this one, huh, then you lift up the table and then you put the table there. So this is a concept. So you are carrying a table, but actually the, the table, the, the, it's just a word huh, and it is just a, a, an idea that uh, we are, it's just a convention that language has fabricated to, to denote the what What is that? But actually if we look at the table itself, we can say that this is wood. But also if we look at the wood, if we look at the tree, if you are just looking at the substance or the content of, of what is the wood, it is just the four elements. So in the in the tree or in the wood, you just have these characteristics of uh, of, of of the phenomenon. So a chemist will 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 have maybe, or a scientist will have a, a wider uh, possibility of definition. Okay, now what is the wood? So the terms that is going to be uh, used in chemistry or in physics are going to be a little bit different, but uh, it refers to a more. Uh, 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 it refers to a more uh, non-conceptual uh, apprehension of reality. So the hardness of the table, the weight of the table, and uh, the, the, the temperature of the table, is something that is not conceptual. It's something that you directly experience. So the same thing with the body. If you, if you, are, just, uh, uh, if you are just aware of your body, then when you are experiencing these things, instead of saying, oh no, I have pain in, the, in my bones, then bones is a concept. And nerve also is a concept. So if we are to look very closely uh, to what we refer to as a way of, uh, of uh, anatomical parts, then we'll see that uh, these parts also are just, uh, are just elements. Like for example, uh, if, you, if we look at the ancient types of medicines that you find in China or you find in, in India or in these Asian countries like Ayurvedic, Ayurveda or acupuncture, as you know, it's, uh, it's based on the elements, right? So the, the doctors, they, 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 just, they just deal directly with what they are feeling from your, uh, from your pulse. So they take, they take your finger and then they evaluate by the, by the quality of the pulse they can evaluate a lot of things uh, about your a lot of things they, they can know a lot of uh, conditions in regard to, to your health. They know just by the touch, huh? and not only they will be able to know uh, the 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 imbalance or the balance of your of the elements because their evaluation or their medical diagnosis is made out of uh, is made with the, with the, with the elements. So they will know. They will know the elements just by the experience of it, and they will know, okay, that the, the person has this disease or that person has that disease. But also, uh, uh, they can also know. The, they are able also to know the 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 state of mind sometimes just with the, the physical elements. So they can they can see the your psychological uh, uh, the the aspect of your mind just by by your pulse. So uh, when they express it. They will use they will use language. They will use concepts, huh? and then they will say you have a, you have a problem in your knee. So the knee is just a concept, and uh, uh, but, but it refers just to, to the un- kind of unbalance in the in the physical elements. Is it this is a bit maybe clearer? No. So, so that's why when we are looking at ourselves, like the way that the uh, ultimate reality and then the conventional reality is divided in the Buddhist texts, it's the, very often they use the, the word uh, the, the sutta, uh, the sutanta method, and then the abhidhamma method. Mm? So the sutanta method, like for those who are interested in in the, in the, in the Buddhist texts, then the sutta sutanta methods uh, it deals with persons, it deals with uh, uh, you know, social context, and then names, and it is very. Con- this is what we could call a conventional reality, and then it's clear. You have not. You you should not do. Uh, you should not, uh, for example, in the. I mean, the, with the rules or the monastic rules or all kinds of rules. You, you should not. Uh, you should not put uh, the two big spoon full uh, in your mouth. So this is just a concept, and then it's something that is. Uh, It is very clear, a spoon is just a spoon, and then the the, the amount of food that is on the spoon is this amount of food. But uh, if you use the Abhinamma method, then the food is not there. You just have the elements. You just see, you know, this is just the elements. It's just uh, the the water, fire, and uh, uh, heat, uh, water, water, fire, earth, and wind. So uh, if we train ourselves to to be acquainted with these elements, then we, we can shift from uh, content, you know, from, from the content perception to a um, to a process uh, to a process. Mm. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yeah, then please.
2: So connected to that, just to see if I'm understanding what you're saying. Say I'm doing meta, and I'm starting from a very general level of saying the phrases and calming my mind, and that's content. And then there's a shift that happens where I move over to more focusing on the elements
0: as it relates to that content. Yes. yes, yes, like when we start practicing metta, for example, then we say, may all beings be happy, may the cook be happy, may my neighbor be happy, oh, and then I mean your mother, and then who, who not, you cannot, uh, you, you don't include in your mind, so this is a concept. Also you can do it with the, the directions, oh, may all beings in front of me be happy, may all beings in the front, in the back of me be happy, so you have a concept of, of beings. Of course, the metta is related to the emotion that you have there, but the emotion, is uh, being uh, uh, you know it is being uh, light- lightened w- with that idea of beings but when you go to uh, to the process then then you just see energy like energy again. If if we talk with physicists, they will say, yeah, it's not energy. It's just. Uh, I mean, if I say force, then this is not force. It's energy. And then if I say particle, if it's, you know, it's a particle. It's wave. So here we again we are we are caught up in in, uh, in just in terminology. But what uh, it refers is uh, something that is beyond the concept. It's an exp- it's a direct experience of reality without these uh, these rest- restrictions of. Uh, Uh
2: Is that the point where language in a sense drops away?
0: Yes. 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 But we are able to use the language uh, also, like, but but uh, this is uh, where the language uh, drops away, but somehow the language sometimes can help us just to classify, because we have to see the difference, so we are using uh, classification just to know, like for example, this is the earth element, everything that is hard and then uh, rough and then light, and uh, uh, this, this is the earth element, this is the water element, so we still, uh, we can still conceptualize or use uh, the the words, but what is more important is the reality that it refers to huh? the same thing with the mind, huh? the same thing with the mind, so if you feel happy, happiness, what is that i mean it's just happiness, happiness is just a word, but the feeling of it, you know, okay, know oh, this is happiness, so it's an experience we we don't need if if you if I tell you, do you know what is love, you say yes,, huh? then you know what is love, so I mean just to talk about love is not. Uh, is, is, is a bit far away from the, from the experience. If you are in love, if you love, then you know, okay, this is what love's, love is. So love, the word love is describing an experience, is describing a, a, an ultimate reality, the experience of it. So that, this is all, you know, with the physicality and then also with the, with the mind. I think there was some question. Was there a question yes, there? The, is the Pali language
2: to process than is English?
0: If the Pali language is, yes, more? is it more? descriptive of processes than English? No, like the, this is what I say that uh, in the Pali language you have the, you have language, you have terms that refer to uh, content, and then you have terms that refer to processes. So all the Abhidhamma, uh, terminology refers to, to process, and then the suttanta sut, uh, terminolo- terminology refers to content. And
2: then,
0: when it's translated from Pali to English, is there something lost in terms of understanding process? Not really. I think I think uh, somehow the English terms can also convey the idea of what it refers to because it's just uh, it's just a language. So whatever language we are using, is still kind of conceptual. But of course, if you know the Pali, then you may be more precise to know what it refers to. Yes. I think we need to like, to come closer to, to the object of observation, huh? so we get more subtle uh, ways of looking at the phenomena. So if we are to look at the phenomena of uh, the manifestation of suffering, then we can see it from the subjective aspect, so I mean you look at uh, how a psychologist will treat someone with difficulty in his life, or life, then, then it's very conceptual. Uh, and then he's talking about suffering. But if you are talking about suffering on the, on the process level, everything is suffering. But the conception of it, the, the, the definition of it, will refer to something else. So just because it is a process which is constantly changing, then it has no substance, it has no stability, it has nothing that you can hold on. So just that fact makes it unpredictable and then 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 it's not it has nothing that will bring a satisfact- satisfaction so by itself it it is suffering so it is just i think a deeper knowledge of suffering itself so instead of having a purely subjective interpretation of this is my suffering and then I suffer because because I have problems with my job or whatever then you see the suffering in a more objective way, but still the suffering is seen, but in a, more, uh, uh, in a very different uh, dimension. Uh, but suffering has to be understood uh, on these two aspects. Right? We, we, cannot, like, we, we cannot just uh, say, okay, now everything is a, a process. We have to be able to deal with uh, the with reality that, that has to be dealt with that, the convention type of, of things.
1: point of view um, if we say that everything is relative and can be broken down into their respective elements and we understand something because of a social convention that it serves a particular purpose or a particular meaning what about things that we devote so much of our time and practice things such as the the other realms of existence, and the realms of the devas and lives after, are they all also subject only to the law of karma, the causes and conditions that lead to certain events and meanings, or does that somehow transcend our relative understandings?
0: So if the different planes of existence, for example, if that transcends the, our uh, relative understanding.
1: Is that also just a concept or is that something more ontological, more objective?
0: No, it is, uh, it is still a, just a concept. So you see like the, the different uh, interpretations of mythology in different cultures, then you will see that uh, uh, these aspects of, uh, of, of life will be expressed in different ways. Uh? So that's why it's a conceptual understanding of a reality, right? Like, like, like the, the aspect of cosmology is very really different from one culture to another culture. But what it refers to is what is important. Like, like, like the word devil, what is the devil? The devil, I mean, you, you look at how the, the, the devil has been represented in Asia and how the devil has been represented in the West, it's a little bit different but but, uh, what it refers to is is, uh, is, uh, an aspect of reality. So it can can relate to many things. uh, I don't understand, maybe you can simplify your question. Uh,
1: What you just explained, I'm just wondering if there's anything more to it than that. I mean, can we dismiss Buddhist cosmology as just simply something that arose to give a particular explanation to a group of people at a particular point in time, or is there something more to
0: it? No, this is a, this is a, all the time. The explanations have to be contextualized in relation to the historic historical aspect, and also in relation to uh, uh, where it has, where it was uh, reported. So the values of that time, and then the context is very important. So that's why we don't impose you to adopt all the cosmology that is prevalent in Asia because it's too complicated. Uh, of course, if you are interested, it's fine. You you, you can you can know about the cosmos in uh, in many uh, different ways, but it's not uh, it's not necessary. You, you, we can simplify it, and uh, we don't need to deal with that. It's just uh, the the, the uh, different interpretation of reality that that, that came to be uh, explained in uh, all kinds of ways. Yes.
2: Yes. Really enjoyed hearing the Wikipedia explanation of process and the idea that it just refers to change. Yes. Something that's constantly changing. Yes. Which is the true nature of reality. Yes. And that's up on the board on your chart. Yes. Under process, but the Vipassana meditation is understanding the true nature of reality as arising and passing away. So my understanding is the way we observe that in our body is by observing sensation Yes and knowing that it's changing. Yes So wouldn't that be kind of the key in to the difference, for instance, in metta between samatha, when you're wishing well to all beings and having the idea of wishing well to all beings and the intention of wishing well and then the sensation that comes in metta of yes. certain sensations that permeate the body and observing them while having thought and knowing that they're changing like, yes.
0: is that yes like like uh, when we are um, observing a process then we are just uh, with the experience and then we see the experience just as the experience and then we can explain it in, uh, in various ways. Um, but the explanation will be kind of conceptual, but the experience itself will be uh, something different. So you can read if you like, you can, you can look at that thing about process, you can read also about, uh, about the Buddhist philosophy and, uh, and then you can ask questions maybe to specialists. <laughs> but uh, I think if we just continue like a, like a, I, now now you it will be the time for you to uh, uh, to go for your uh, for your uh, snack right yeah. but. Uh, but but it can be very simple it It, it can be very simple, like this. Uh, I am sorry, if you like to go, you please go. you say no, he's again lost in his explanations that we don't catch uh, so much, so you please uh, be c- comfortable to just to proceed and have your bananas or, or apple <laughs> just to finish just just to finish on the. You see, it's just—I think it's very really, uh, kind of—it's very really sweet type of uh, of thing. Like uh, once the Buddha, the, the Buddha was approached by somebody, and then, uh, uh, and then, oh, now I don't have the, the full quotation, but uh, the person, the person who asked the Buddha was very doubtful about uh, about the teaching of the Buddha, and then he asked, okay, you know, what is your teaching all about?" And he said that. Um, mm, then he comes to say that, uh, because as to the source through which perceptions, huh, we talk about perceptions, I mean, just you remember, no? Uh, as to the source through which perceptions and notions, thing uh, by mental prolification beset a mind, if nothing is found there to delight in, welcome, and all to, this is the end of the underlying tendency to lust, and then aversion, and then to views, uh, uh, and then what what is interesting also is that uh, this is the end of resorting to rods and weapons and quarrels brawls disputes recrimination malice and false speech here these evil unwholesome states uh, cease without remainder. So what uh, what he, he is describing here is that uh, we can understand a process, right? But what we do with it is what is more fundamental. What is that leading us to? What it is leading us to is to understand that the world we are living us is a subjective representation of what we make out of it. So we are interpreting the world, and then we come to dispute each other's because we are attached to what we think is pleasant. Not only we are attached to the things we all as pleasant, but we are also attached to the opinions that we are making out of them. So a lot of uh, difficulties that are arising is because of that misunderstanding of uh, of, of uh, representations, so we have to be very clear about that. But also, here it gives it gives a, a very practical aspect of how to come to a resolution, and then it's just basic thing, you know. So they say, dependent on the eye and the forms, that means the I and then the, 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 the what you are seeing, then eye consciousness is arising. So, so there is eye sensitivity, and then you, you see color, and then you see form, and then, uh, and then the meeting, uh, then eye consciousness, then you, you know that you are seeing something. Then the tree uh, is the is contact. So when you put the tree together, that means what you see, and then the the, 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 the the eye sensitivity, and then eye consciousness. These three is contact. So from the contact, then you feel something. And then from the feeling, you perceive. So what we are feeling, actually, uh, with the sense impressions, we come to perceive, we come to identify. And then what we perceive, then we think, we think about it. And what we think about, when then we mentally proliferate. Proliferates. And then with what one has mentally proliferated as the source perceptions and notions tangled by a mental prolification beset a mind with respect to past future and present and all that right so in respect to all the sense experiences we interpret the thing and then we we, we, we just uh, we just end up in trouble with with craving and then with views and things like this so uh, it comes back to what we are trying to do now. We are trying to uh, to get grounded in the experience, and then from the grounding that we get with the meditation experience, we come more and more close to, to, to understand how, that, how these perceptions actually are arising due to the sense impression of, uh, of everything we encounter in life. So on this word, uh, I, I will just uh, let you... Uh, take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it is just uh, gradual. It is just, uh, it is just also natural. So if we are patient, then we see that the mind gets more calm. And then also when the mind is get, get, gets more calm, we, we, we come to know uh, reality in a very different way. So from content, we go to process, even if we don't know what is a process.